please open your Bibles to John chapter 21 for our scripture reading today. You can find our online bulletin on our, the homepage of our website as well, and you can uh, get to the sermon outline from that, and so I encourage you to follow along with us there. So we'll be reading John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen. We are continuing today in our sermon series on the questions of Jesus. Jesus did not just make statements as he taught the people. Jesus instead would frequently ask questions of people to get at the hearts of the people that he was speaking to. Two things expose what are, like, what are going on in our heart more than a good question. And so one day, knowing that, a preacher named Haddon Robinson asked three questions of his church. He wanted to get at the core of their hearts, and so he asked the congregation these questions. Do you love God? Do you love your neighbors? And do you mind if I ask them? You see, it's one thing to say that you love God. It's one thing to say that you love your neighbors. But your neighbors who are observing your life know the honest truth. Your neighbors will know by how you act. If you truly love God, and if you truly love them. In John chapter 21, Jesus asks his disciple Peter a question. He does not ask Peter three questions. Instead, he asks Peter one question three times. We will see why Jesus asks him the same question over and over again in a minute. But for now, I want you to notice that the question Jesus asked is the ultimate heart question. It's the first question that Haddon Robinson asked his church. Do you love God? Except in Jesus' case, since Jesus is God, Jesus simply asked Peter, do you love me? And Jesus asked Peter that same question over and over again. This morning, I want you to put yourself in the place of Peter. Jesus comes and asks you, do you love me? How are you going to answer Jesus? I don't want you to be too hard on yourselves as you answer Jesus' question. Jesus is not asking you if you love him perfectly, nor is Jesus asking you if you love him as he deserves to be loved. If 
with Jesus, we're asking Peter and you, if you loved him in those ways, you would have to answer no. No one loves Jesus perfectly. No one loves Jesus as he deserves to be loved. But we can say along with Peter, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And that will be a wonderful thing to be able to say. Jesus wants our love. Let's look then at John chapter 21. Let's see a a few ways that we can know that we do indeed love Jesus. First of all, you know you love Jesus if you repent after you sin. This conversation between Jesus and Peter in John chapter 21 takes place after Jesus has been raised from the dead. But it was not a private conversation between Jesus and Peter. Jesus and Peter had this discussion in front of all of the other disciples as well. All the disciples had just finished breakfast, as we read in verse 15 of John 21. They were on the beach. They were sitting around a charcoal fire, according to verse 9, over which Jesus had just cooked their breakfast. Now, I'm sure that this charcoal fire brought back some memories for Peter of another charcoal fire. On the night before Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was put on trial at the house of the high priest. It was a very cold night, so Peter stood out in the courtyard. He had followed Jesus to see what would happen to his friend. And as he was standing in the courtyard in the cold, he he went around the charcoal fire where everybody else was standing to keep warm. And while he stood in front of that fire, three separate people said that they were sure that Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. And what did Peter say to all three people? Not me. You've got the wrong guy. I don't even know Jesus. At the moment of Jesus' greatest need, Peter had failed his master and his friend. He had even denied knowing Jesus. How painful this must have been for Peter. What must have been especially painful for Peter was remembering what he had said when Jesus had previously told all of the disciples that all of them would fall away after Jesus was arrested. I'd like for us to read out loud together as a church Peter's response to Jesus from Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33. Let's read together. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Now, what kind of a statement is this from Peter? It is a statement, first of all, that is full of pride. It's a statement where Peter is saying, hey, the rest of the disciples might fall away, but not me. I am better than they are. And it is also a statement of Peter's love for Jesus. He is saying that he loves Jesus more than the rest of the disciples do. They all might run away and hide, but not me. I will stick with you, Jesus, no matter what. But of course, Peter did not stick with Jesus. Peter failed Jesus. When the moment of truth came, he denied even knowing who Jesus was. So now Jesus and Peter are 
sitting around another charcoal fire after Christ has been raised from the dead. And the other disciples are listening in on this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And the first question that Jesus asks in John 21 and verse 15 is this, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter must have been cut to the heart by this first question of Jesus. He must have been cut to the heart because he is hearing from Jesus these words. Peter, do you remember before I died when you said that you loved me more than the rest of these disciples? Well, do you truly love me more than they do? Do you? Really? It also must have cut Peter to the heart to hear this question from Jesus. Because Jesus did not even call Peter by the name Peter. A few weeks ago, when we looked at John chapter 1, we remember that Jesus, on his very first meeting with Peter, changed Peter's name. He said, you are going to be Peter, which means the rock. Peter was going to give a confession of faith which would be a rock on which Jesus would build his church by using his former name, the name Simon. Peter must have felt like Jesus was saying to him in this moment, you are no Peter. You are no rock. You failed me. You are just Simon. In response to Jesus' question, Peter in some ways, avoids the question. He doesn't answer if he loves Jesus more than the rest of the disciples do. Instead, Peter simply says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He appeals to the fact that Jesus knows his very heart. Peter is ashamed of how he had denied Jesus. But still, Jesus must know that Peter truly loves him. But after asking the very first question of Peter, if Peter loves him, Jesus does not stop asking him questions. In verse 16, Jesus takes out the surgeon's knife yet again. He cuts Peter to the heart by asking him for a second time, do you love me? Peter was forced then for a second time to remember how he had denied Jesus in front of another group of people at another charcoal fire in the high priest's courtyard. And when Jesus asked Peter the same question for the third time, John writes clearly about how Peter felt in verse 17. We read there, Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? Can you see Peter squirming there in front of the fire under Jesus' questioning? Can you see how much pain Peter is in? Why did Jesus put Peter in so much pain? Why did he do that? Because Jesus wanted to bring Peter to repentance for his sin of denying Jesus. Three times in a public place, Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. And so three times in a public place, in front of all of the rest of the disciples, Jesus coaxes from Peter a confession, Lord, I love you. 
Peter said in front of everybody that he loved Jesus. Peter then repented. He repented of the bad words that he had said about Jesus, and he turned around and instead he said some good words about Jesus. He spoke of his love for Jesus. He turned away from his sin of denying Jesus. And instead, Peter publicly confessed, I love Jesus. Today, some of you might be in the same painful place that Peter was in. Jesus today, perhaps, is cutting you to the heart as well. He is speaking to your guilty conscience in order to bring you to repentance. That is a very painful place to be in. But it is also a good place for you to be in. I want to remind you that Jesus sometimes does indeed wound us, but he wounds us in order to heal us. And the healing that comes to your soul comes when you repent, when you turn away from your sin. The healing comes when you confess your sin, and you confess as well your love for Jesus, as Peter did. Sometimes when we fail as spectacularly as Peter failed, we wonder if Jesus could ever use us again in any kind of a ministry role. Peter was supposed to be the rock. He turned out to be more like sand when he was standing there in the high priest's courtyard. Peter was kind of squishy in that moment, not firm in his faith. There's no way, then, that Jesus could ever use Peter again, could he? His sin was too great. Besides, all of the other disciples, they they knew about Peter's boast. They knew about Peter's failure. What would they think about Peter being a leader in the church? The good news for Peter and the good news for us is this. Failure is never final. Let me repeat that. Failure is never final in Jesus' eyes. Yes, Peter sinned in a public place. But Jesus restored Peter to his ministry as an apostle in a public place in front of all of the rest of the disciples. And if you humble yourself, and if you truly repent of your sin, Jesus can restore you as well to a place of ministry for him. Forgiveness and restoration are possible for all who repent of their sin and confess their love for Jesus. And Peter's restoration came with three commissions from Jesus to the pastoral office that Jesus was appointing him to. Each of these commissions involved a calling for Peter to love Christ's sheep. And it's in loving Christ's sheep that you know that you love Jesus as well. You know you love Jesus if you repent after you sin, but you also know that you love Jesus if you love the sheep that Jesus loves. Jesus had asked Peter the same question three times. Do you love me? And every time that Peter answered yes, 
Jesus gave to Peter a mission to perform on Christ's behalf. In verse 15, Jesus says, Feed my lambs. In verse 16, Jesus says, Tend my sheep. And in verse 17, Jesus says, Feed my sheep. By giving Peter the chance to say three times, I love you, Jesus was saying to Peter, I forgive you for the three times that you denied me. But Jesus not only forgave Peter, Jesus also restored Peter to his place of ministry as an apostle. And what was to be Peter's primary responsibility as a leader in the church? Peter was to be a shepherd. He was to care for people in the church like a shepherd cares for his sheep. If Peter loved the sheep that Jesus loved, then Peter would also in that moment be loving Jesus. As you love the sheep, you also love Jesus. If you love me, Jesus says, then you will also of necessity love my sheep. So for Peter, loving the sheep meant uh, doing what I see in this picture here that I brought with me today. Here is what Peter was called to. He was called to lead the sheep, and he was also called to tend the sheep. Okay? So how did Peter feed the sheep? How did he lead them to a green pasture? He fed them from the Word of God. That is the role of leaders in the church is to feed the people from God's Word. But then also, shepherds are to tend to their sheep. They are to provide pastoral care whenever the sheep has a need. So I want you to notice what pronoun Jesus uses every time he refers to the sheep. You see what pronoun he uses every time in these three verses? It's the pronoun, my. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. The sheep then do not belong to Peter, nor do the sheep belong to any pastor of any church today. Who do the sheep belong to? Whose are they? They belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. Every sheep in Christ's flock belongs to Jesus. Jesus paid for you with his blood. You are his. And Jesus has no possession that is more valuable to him than you. He values you greatly. Isn't that wonderful? To know how much your Savior values you. We learned last week about praying without ceasing. Here's a prayer that I like to pray throughout my day. Jesus, I belong to you. Father, I belong to you. I am yours. You will take care of me. You love me. Perhaps this is a prayer that you could pray also throughout your day. Jesus, I belong to you. Father, I belong to you. In this conversation with Peter, Jesus makes it clear that love is extremely important within the church. A leader in Christ's church must love Jesus 
That is a must. And a leader in Christ's church must also love the other people in the church. This is true not just for leaders in the church. This is true for each and every one of us. But love does not come easily for us, does it? A pastor one day was speaking to a senior woman in the church that he led. And the woman was saying to her pastor these words, The older I grow, the more I love the Lord's people. She could have stopped there, and that would have been sweet for the pastor to hear, but she did not stop there. She went on. She said, the older I grow, the more I love the Lord's people, and the less I trust them. Hmm. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? This woman had obviously been hurt by the people of her church. And honestly, if you stay in this church for any length of time, or if you participate in the life of any church for any length of time, you too will be hurt. You will be hurt by someone in the church. You will love and serve the people in the Lord's church, and they will let you down. Can I tell you what that means for you? In that moment when you are hurt, it means that you are being given the privilege of acting like Jesus. Jesus was hurt, not just by Peter. Jesus was abandoned completely by every single one of his disciples. And yet, what did Jesus do? He forgave them, and he loved them, and he even restored them to a place of service for him. So how can you love the people in the church who hurt you? How can you do that? The year 2020 was a year of hurt and anger in our country. And if there is hurt and anger out there in our community, you can be sure that hurt and anger will find its way in here in the church. Because you live in the community, and so you will bring what you're feeling into this place. I want you to think about the three biggest news stories of 2020 in our country. The coronavirus, the presidential election, and the killing of the black man George Floyd, a white police officer, and the subsequent demonstrations and riots. Was there just a little bit of anger in our country in response to these three events? Was there anger in the way that we spoke to each other about what had happened in our country. I would say that there was just a little bit of anger as well in the way that we related to each other as people in Christ's church. As I speak about these issues this morning already, some of you are feeling tense. Some of you are feeling angry as you remember what happened. But I'd like for us to talk about what would it look like to love one another as we discuss issues like these. The first thing I would say to you is to speak humbly. Speak recognizing, I do not know everything. 
speak recognizing instead that you might even change your mind on this issue that you are speaking about. After all, what you believe today on some issues is not the same thing that you believed 10 or 20, or in some cases, even 30 or 40 years ago. You've changed your mind on many issues. And indeed, you might even change your mind on this issue. It takes humility to be able to recognize that. It takes a lot of humility, like Peter had, to admit your sin and to repent of it. That is incredible humility that Peter displayed in front of the rest of the disciples. After Peter loved Jesus by humbling himself, he encouraged the church to be humble. I'd like for us to read out loud together what Peter wrote to the church in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so in, in 2020, I saw many of you act with humility when it came to the coronavirus. It didn't take very long for it to come to my attention that some of us in the church did not believe that masks were very useful in preventing the spread of the virus. It didn't take very long for me to realize that. I saw things differently. I believed what Dr. Fauci has been teaching. I believed as well what Dr. Shaw has been saying. And so as a result, uh, I thought it was important that we wear masks within the church during our services. So what did some of you do who did not agree? What you did was you said, you know what? Our pastor is crazy sometimes. He takes crazy positions. But he's our crazy pastor, and we will support him. We will follow him even if we don't agree. And what was that? That was humility. That was saying, I don't agree on this issue, but I will follow for the good of the church and for the love of other believers in the church. That's the humility that we need whenever we come to a place where we disagree. I am grateful for the humility that I saw in our church last year. So one way that we love is by being humble. Another way that we love is to listen. I'd like for us to read what James writes in James chapter 1 and verse 19. Let's read these words together. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So we are to be slow to speak, but quick to what? Quick to hear, quick to listen. Listening equals love. With regard to racism in our country, I think we need to listen better to two groups of people. First of all, we need to listen to the police. I do not believe that the majority of police in our country are racist. I believe that most policemen, like the police officers in our church, are good folks who love their communities, who are doing their jobs, their dangerous jobs, very well. They are people who love their communities. They are truly are protecting and serving us in a sacrificial way. 
We need then to listen to our police. When they talk about the challenges that they face, when they talk about the quick life and death decisions that they need to make, and we need to listen to our police when they talk about how we can better the relationships between the community and the police today. So we need to listen to the police. But there's another group of people in our country that we also need to listen to, and that is the black people and the other people of color in our country. The disturbing news videos that we saw in 2020 of black people being killed don't lie. They showed the truth that there is still racism in our country. Now, Maine, of course, is a state that is 95% white. But more and more people of color are moving into our state every year. Have you made any friends with people of different races? Have you done that? Have you heard the stories of people of different races? What has been their experience with racism and discrimination? What, from their perspective, needs to improve in race relations? Have you listened? Here's what I see in the Bible. Every single race is going to be represented in heaven. People from every tribe and tongue and nation are going to be in heaven one day. So you know what I think? I think that you might as well start making friends among the different races today so that you can get ready for heaven. That's what we need to do. And one way that you make friends is by listening, hearing about the experience of another. Listening equals love. And a final way for us as Christians to love one another is by showing respect. Respect other people as your brothers and sisters in Christ. When Peter wrote about evangelism, he wrote these words in 1 Peter 3.15 that I'd like for us to read together as a church. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter says, be respectful to non-Christians when you talk to them about Jesus. Do you think that we should be any less respectful when we are talking to Christians about other topics? I don't believe so. So, church, here's the million-dollar question. Can we speak respectfully to one another about our political differences? Honestly, I wonder about that. When I look at some of the political posts on Facebook that I see from my Christian friends, I see name-calling, I see bad language, and I see people arguing not for the sake of promoting understanding, but arguing in order to slaughter another person. Is this respectful? Is this love. I don't think so. I think that love looks like humility, love looks like listening, and love looks like respect. 
And I think if we're going to heal some of the divisions in our country and heal some of the divisions within our church, we need to love with humility, we need to love with listening, and we need to love with respect. Today, Jesus is asking you through his word the most important question that he could ever ask anyone. Do you love me? That's what Jesus wants to know from you today. I pray that you will be able to answer Jesus' question with a loud and clear, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I pray that you will tell Jesus every day this week of your love for him. And if you want assurance that you do love Jesus, you can have that certainty if you sincerely repent after you sin. And you can have that certainty if you love the other believers in the church. This is what love for Jesus looks like. Let's pray together. Jesus, how worthy you are of our love. You know that we often fail you, as Peter did. But I thank you, O Lord, that you are willing to forgive as we come to you with repentant hearts. For those who are struggling with repentance today, I pray that they will confess their sin. I pray that they will admit it today. You are so willing to forgive. You are so willing to love and to restore us. And so I pray for those who are grieved in their conscience today. Bring them back to you. Let them know that you will forgive. Let them know that you will love. And I pray that we will show that we love you not only by our repentance. I pray that we as a church will be different from the rest of the world. Make us a different people who even love the people that we disagree with. In your great name we pray. Amen.